welcome to today's podcast. Quick heads up, there will not be one tomorrow, so two days this week without one. Uh, tomorrow, I have a disability awareness experience to be a part of at the Ability Center. Uh, if your business or organization is interested in having one of those, for the, all the ones we've done so far, you have come to us, but I think in some cases we can come to you. They will not be as comprehensive. They may be. We just haven't gone out on the road yet. Um, they help you and your people understand disability a lot better so you can engage better with your clients, your consumers, your employees. Um different stations so you can immerse yourself and we're gonna I'm gonna use that word a lot during these um you can ride around in a motorized wheelchair see what it's like we can blindfold you and have you walk with a, a white stick uh, wheelchair basketball and then you go through these things and you're like this this is this is fine this is not nearly as as strange or as restrictive as I thought and then you treat uh, people with disabilities just like you treat everybody else which may be shitty at least be consistent. Uh, so I have that tomorrow, and then I was going to come in late to work. Uh, but uh, I I had said yes to a Lucas County Suicide Prevention Coalition thing. Never got the best of details, but uh, it's it's coming around tomorrow, and I've been been assigned to Mommy High School. I've never been there. I have no idea where Mommy High School is. None whatsoever. It's got to be nestled in those small streets of Maumee, like between the trail and what, Heather Downs? Very broad, very vague, right? Near the fairgrounds? Uh, we are, I think this is cool. I think this is coordinated by the NFL and is a presentation symposium to high school athletes. So I look at the PowerPoint. I'm like, yeah, we talk about this stuff all the time and I'll add my 38 cents. So no pod tomorrow. I won't be on the air tomorrow. Have those two things. Uh, there are a handful of fun things to get to. I can go a couple of different directions with this one to start. Um, let me tell you a, a quick story of a pretty common situation. Maybe you have been on either side of this and there could be at least two, no, at least three, maybe 33 sides. So um, this is a very familiar story, very familiar tale. And it's been happening uh, forever, as long as people have been dating. Guy's married, and for whatever reason, maybe he's, parts of him aren't being fulfilled. So he steps away from his marriage. He doesn't tell the other person, though. And I'm not, I'm not saying doing that is okay. I, I am, at, in fact, telling you, if you don't want to cheat, just get the hell out of the relationship. Then you can do whatever you want, and it's not cheating. Boom, logic. So a guy, for whatever reason, either is not being fulfilled, and again, that's that's not on her or the partner. He's That person's got to speak up. Or they just can't control themselves. Or a combination of those things and more. So he sends an attractive person. Well, just an Instagram model. And I don't know what the threshold is for being an Instagram model. Like, if you have to have a certain amount of followers, like, could I be an Instagram model? Like, if you find me attractive, or if you like my Transformers or dogs, that makes me some type of model. No? I mean, it's very subjective. And you know one of my rules. Everything is subjective. Um, The girl sent those uh, those pictures to 
of the conversation of the person getting flirty and crossing the line uh, to her friends, which she could not trust, and they wound up in the hands of people that made them public. The person, the guy, made a post saying, I I crossed the line and apologized, blah, blah. Maybe didn't apologize for everything, but everything that we know of, I guess. There are further allegations that this person has done this with lots of, I'm guessing, Instagram models or people online they found attractive who are not their significant other. This is a story as, as, as old as time, yes? By the way, if you don't know who I'm talking about, this is Adam Levine. So there are a lot of lessons and, and takeaways here or reminders. Um, the first thing that always jumps out to me, which I have had to correct my instinctual thinking with this, and you should do the same, you go, why the fuck would he cheat on that wife of his? I've heard, I forget what her name is. Uh, they've been married a handful of years. I think they have a couple of kids. She's a Victoria's Secret model. I would guess most men who were attracted to women would find Victoria's Secret people, if we're just doing pass-fail, attractive as opposed to unattractive. Not everybody. We all have different tastes, but generally speaking. And we're going to get into more generalities in a couple of minutes. I'm going to go against my rule to not speak generally. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. So that's the first, like, why would you cheat on her? Like, the line of men craving that woman is hundreds of thousands of people long. Now, that woman is very unlikely to be interested in all those people. Remember, I, I still believe that you have to stay in your numbers. Um, so that leads me to the other point here. Human behavior is human behavior. Uh, rich and famous, tons of money in your bank account, doesn't matter. We all have the same blind spots and weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying we all cheat, but just because there's more zeros in the bank account or you have a higher number on the attractiveness scale doesn't mean you act any differently. Like, I, when I told you that story, could have been about somebody you know. And my scale, by the way, is the the 1 to 10 of superficial attractiveness. And again, to give that some a baseline, the looks attract, everything else keeps you attractive. But that initial story I told you could have been about your friend, who is, a, we'll say that they're a 5. And they're, uh, they're married to a 6. And in many cases, another part of this, from what I know from my female friends in these stories... In many cases, the man who cheats, who is a five, but married to a six or a 6.8, will cheat with a a three or a four. Maybe because they find them more accessible or that, that three or four is thrusting themselves at, thrusting herself at him when he's not getting what he might want in the home. And again, none of this is right. None of this is right. Um, But just a reminder, regardless of our looks and attractiveness or what's in our bank accounts, we all really act the same as human beings. As I often say, it is very hard to run from our DNA. So we'll see how many more layers of this. The other big takeaway is another reminder that you know... 0.04% of the lives of celebrities and athletes. 
You just know nothing. You might think you know a lot because they share a lot. And you might even think you're like me and you're, you're a real detective and you're looking at pictures and going, I can tell that they go to Whole Foods on Tuesdays for the sale and the corned beef or whatever the hell. You know so much less than you think. The story I always think of was, God, 20-some years ago uh, when Kobe Bryant was, when he very much crossed lines out of his marriage and did what he did at that hotel. Like, I know, granted, I was young and stupid. Like, we were all at that age. They should be smarter now. And I'm thinking, he's a, he has Vanessa. I think at the time he might have had a daughter. Maybe not. But, like, Vanessa is gorgeous. Why would he need to do this to another woman? Like, countless people would throw themselves at him. What? I, I, this doesn't make any sense. And then you realize you don't know anything. You don't know anything about these people. Who is your person in that regard where they did something and completely shattered the image, their image of them to you? The list should be very long. What else do we have? Um, I have a very uncomfortable time coming up in the next, how many days does September have in it? Is it, is it 30? Um, and this has been looming. I've been watching it for the entire year. And it feels like I, I just got this one, but time has flown in the sense that my uh, debit card is about to expire. Uh, at the end of this month, it, I, I wasn't sure if it went through October or it ended on the first day of October. Uh, and I'm hoping the fact that I use PayPal and other services, it's a lot easier than having to change all the numbers because I think the number might remain the same, maybe. But the expiration date and the security code on the back have to be changed. And it is a, it's a nuisance. It's a hassle. We don't like doing it. It's not the biggest, it's not the biggest mountain in the world. It is a reminder when you do lose your debit card to be more careful about it because it is a headache to go change all those things where that, that card is saved on a variety of sites. Um, going back to speaking in, uh, general terms. We're about to have one of those days where we have all kinds of weather in a 24-hour span and people go, only in Toledo, only in Ohio. No, not at all. You know, I've, I've given this, this tirade, this speech so many times now. In this case, I will speak in general terms and speak against places I have never been. Um, another one of these minor league city rankings came out and I knew that we were number one once. I had no idea it was nine years ago. Um, you, off the top of your head, can give me 10 things between the walleye and mud hens that you love about what they provide to you, um, the value they give us, the energy, all, all of it. Well, somehow, three other cities provide more value in, in the eyes of this one list. Remember, everything's subjective. We finished fourth behind Tulsa, Charleston, and most painfully, Fort Wayne, which is a direct rival of the walleye. The comet's out there. So I've never been to any of these places. I have a friend who lives in Tulsa. I know like a little bit about Fort Wayne. Like they are going through the same, like similar size cities, I think. Um, very, like all the traits of a Rust Belt city of our size. It's them too. They, I believe, are having... Um, a renaissance, a rebirth with their downtown. So I, we're, we're probably pretty darn similar, which makes it that much more bitter. 
So I've never been to any of these places, but I am all ears to hear how those three places are better minor league cities than what we have. Um, the Mud Hens, who I think, I don't know if they won last night. They, they've won like an absurd amount of games in a row. Like it was up to 11. They have not won a ton. Um, but look, summer's at the ballpark. Even like elementary day games, camp games. It, it's a fantastic experience. The Walleye, on the other hand, as I say every spring, this is an NHL-level atmosphere in Toledo. And I'm sure on a Tuesday night when the Red Wings are playing San Jose, the electricity at a, at a Walleye game is much more than that at a Red Wings game. Red Wings will get better again eventually, and it'll be what it was during the Iserman years and when they were winning Stanley Cups and even Datsuk and Zetterberg. See, I know a little hockey. Um, but I would think the electricity, excitement, atmosphere, product of the walleye alone, like what they provide, if they lost every game and still did on, the, on they still did all that on ice entertainment, they would still, we'd still get our money worth. But they're really good and do all that. That alone, I think, would thrust us to the number one spot. So I'm curious to know why these other three places are ahead of us. One last thing. Uh, but before we, oh, two last things, sorry. Um, Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass. These ring a bell? Uh, they're Netflix shows created by uh, Mike Flanagan, whose name I wasn't really familiar with until Alex is like, have you watched Midnight Mass? I'm like, no, what's that? Uh, just give it a shot. I think you'll like it. And I don't know if she had told me that uh, before I got into it, but when I was watching it, she's like, yeah, these are Mike Flanagan shows. I'm like, who's that? Like ha- Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. Oh, oh, I'm so uh, Mike Flanagan has a new Netflix show called the midnight club coming out on October 7th. Um, Haunting of Hill House is what's from 17 or 18. I, I think these series are phenomenal. Uh, they're anthologies. They use the same actors. Um, no mega stars that I can think of. Although, the one Indian actor has many followers on social, at least when I see him on Twitter. Um, I find him phenomenal. And I think there was even a mini campaign for him to get a Marvel role, maybe as Mr. Fantastic. And that's the case where, look, sometimes when a gender ethnicity is swapped, I deal with it. I'm not an internet complainer. But I totally embrace it when it's it's an actor that I adore. And I adore him. I forget his name. I think, Raul, is it something? So I think he's in a bunch of these. These shows are... There are some jump scares. There are a lot of jump scares in Haunting of Hill House, if you watched it. Spoiler, there are ghosts hidden in many of the scenes. And maybe there was that in Blind Manor, too. So they're, they're pretty scary. But more than that, they are... I wish I could come up with a more glamorous, extravagant word than this, but these shows are unsettling. Like, I like psychological thrillers. If there are some jump scares in those, fine, but it's more like I want to, and again, this is kind of a cliche, but when I, when I watch one of these psychological thrillers, I'm going to come away thinking about it and going, what the fuck did I just watch? Or I want to, like, question parts of existence, the presentation of these shows of Mike Flanagan, it's its not like prime Hollywood with tons of effects or anything like that. 
but the dialogue is brilliant and magnetic and it pulls you in it gets you off your phone and again you're literally like what am I watching what did I just watch what just happened very much looking forward to it so it's another month paying $17 for Netflix um the Night Owl is uh, some kind of diner-ish thing coming to Sylvania and Secor. They're going to be open Tuesday to Sunday from 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. And I see uh, like Toledo Reddit is very excited about this and some other places as well. Um, there's lots of joy that third shifters and the like will have a place to get some warm food, some entrees, some good apps. Um, and that's great. But this is always a math thing. Like, I hope it lasts in the same way that I hope the new brew house lasts in um, downtown Toledo. Um, focus groups are expensive. I'm sorry. Market research is expensive to find out whether you're making the right decision. Making the wrong decision can be far more expensive than market research. There might be too many coffee shops in downtown Toledo. Uh the area might not have enough people who are out and about in the hours this place aims to serve people to keep it open. So market research is expensive. Um, listening to a lot of people saying, yeah, we'd love to have a place to eat after midnight is not market research unless you can find a way to get yourself a massive sample size. I hope it works for the people that want to eat late and for the people that are starting it up. I don't want to see businesses fail. But I will only blame you if you are short-sighted in creating that enterprise. Um, one more time to the point of watch where you get your information from. There's a story today. It's from Variety or Deadline that's saying 30 million people a week are watching House of the Dragon. Now, I'd like to see I'm my eyebrow is raised because I thought we started out with 10 million. And it tallies up because some people watch it on Wednesdays and sometimes the count comes out Monday. It sounds large, but even if it was 15 million or 20 million people, I think 40-ish million people watched Game of Thrones every week. Huge number. We'll probably never have that again with how splintered we are. But if it's at 30 million, another reminder, to stop giving so much power and influence to the very loud in this, in most cases, social media mob, because from was it May, May of 2019 through up before this show started, there were more than enough people saying, "I'm done with it." I don't. After the way that season ended, the way the show ended, yeah, not for me. So look, I should tip my hat to these people giving it a chance and loving it, or again go stop listening to the mob because if if you really would have listened to the mob, they wouldn't even have made this show. And I find this show absolutely incredible. In fact, I'm going to miss uh, some of these younger actors and actresses who are leaving this series because they're doing, they're just jumping through time. Like, this is this is why. They have a time machine. Uh, Millie Alcock plays Rhaenyra. She is great. I love her character. I love the actress. She had some great quotes about the orgy in the last episode. Something about, yeah, we just went in there and people were over on the left. Like, they were just 69ing. And I, I could pick that apart all day. One last thing, which I could save for another day. So maybe I'll just tease it and we'll come back uh, and have this conversation with Alex or Bethany. Would you rather work with 
mean people or lazy people? Would you rather work with mean people or lazy people? We'll pick that up in a future episode. Thanks for being here.